0: And welcome to Irreverent Testimony, brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast by and for millennial and general Xer types. From a left-wing perspective, it is Saturday, October 26, 2019, five days till Halloween. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. And we're doing one of these from vacation shows. Yes. Well, oh, it's a vacation. Just
1: It's a weekend away with a purpose.
0: Yeah, my band has a show down here in Colorado Springs area, so we decided to make a weekend of it. We brought the dogs.
1: We're in Manitou Springs. Mm-hmm. We're currently sitting in a um, our, our hotel room, and the reason it might sound a little echoey is because we're... Um, sitting next to a giant hot tub that's in the middle of our room. <laughs> and so it might be a little echoey. I don't
0: know that you needed that information, but, we, but it's
1: exciting. We were
0: going to contemplate doing the podcast from the hot tub yeah. just logistically with the wires and everything. We couldn't we
1: didn't want to actually die doing something we loved. So we decided we couldn't, to, we couldn't
0: make it happen. Yeah. Like we, yeah, we might've been able to pull it off at some, uh, risk. But we decided no, we're gonna go
1: We'll just sit at the like seventies style bar that sits next to the hot tub. Yeah, we, we
0: love this hotel room because <laughs> it literally has not been updated since like nineteen seventy eight. And so between the carpet and the oh, drapes yeah. and the the little mini bar here and the big fluorescent light overhead. Mm-hmm. Between the the in suite uh, ja, big jacuzzi,
1: it's like I, a hot tub.
0: Yeah, it's a full size, but like, like you drain
1: it yourself, so it's like a bathtub that, like, yeah, yeah, it's a you hot could tub ostensibly so have, have a chemicals in it. Take it's a pretty bath great
0: bath in it, I guess, if you wanted it's to. It's Pretty
1: great, and there's like indoor outdoor carpet. Mm-hmm. But we're just
0: thinking: can you imagine the swinging parties? Oh, man. that have gone down. That is in what this. this
1: room was built for. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, we're probably not going to have a swinging party in this room.
1: <laughs> probably not,
0: depending on how the show goes tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but you never know, um, but yeah, so just to give you a flavor,
1: yes, if you and can if picture you hear in your mind's the eye echo that's where that's coming from. it's the the, the tile. Yeah, we're the, kind of right next to the the, 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 the giant hot tub in the middle of the room or yeah. it's not really the middle, but anyway, I digress. So we've been on a bit of a hiatus um, the last couple of weeks, yeah, and that's because we've been sort of rethinking this podcast. Part
0: of it. I've also been finishing up an album that's finally done. And I'll talk about that some more, and I'll probably include the interstitial music, some music from my band's new album, which is amazing.
1: Um, But so, I want to talk about that for a second. Um, I would like to get some feedback from y'all, from our listeners. Um, You know, we started this podcast back in the. What twenty fifteen
0: yeah, summer twenty fifteen, as the uh, primaries were ramping up we we were our focus was like we're gonna cover all aspects of this election because this election is so transformative and important, and you know
1: yeah and and so we started it in a time that is different than the time that we're in now <laughs> slightly and uh it no really like yeah, like really significantly and and I think you all probably have noticed that like. I'm. I think we we've we've been sort of. I know I have been really frustrated with sort of trying to cover the horse race and the. Um, the here's what happened this yeah. week and the day-to-day stuff. Um, doing a weekly podcast, it's like, especially in this era, like it's just not possible. It used to be that we could do a podcast once a week and cover the main cover stories, most everything, pretty yeah. much, pretty easily in an hour or hour and a half. And these days, it feels like it's exhausting to even try to cover what happened the last couple of days. And unfortunately we don't have the time to do it more often. And also I think, you know, I don't know that it's doing anybody any service to just try to cover like, here's what happened in seven days. Like it just feels like this frantic sort of race toward just squeeze, squeeze everything everything in in rather than like talk about things that are important. You know, you can and watch really MSNBC. And really dig deeper
0: and, yeah. and, and, tr- and get to some, some stuff. So it's not going to be a... Ma- we're not going to completely change the podcast, but I think we're going to change our focus more to then like ticking off news items just right. to let you know what happens. Like to, watch the
1: news if you want to know that or yeah. read the post or whatever, right? Like, I don't think you need me for that. You can find out what happened. I think what we'd like to do is talk more about like how we feel about stuff and stuff that's not like here's what Bernie said yesterday, but five days ago he said something. Like, I just, I can't. And getting some more
0: under-the-radar stuff that you may not have heard about.
1: But I'd love to hear, like, I'd love to have, and I'm serious about this, I'd love to have some feedback from the people who listen about what you like about the podcast and what you get from it. Like, why do you listen to it? Um, So that we can kind of gear it more toward the people who, because I know that we have a lot of people who listen to it, like, every week, and... I love you and I appreciate you and I don't hear from you enough. So I'm asking sincerely to hear from you. Like, why do you listen? What do you get out of it? And what are you looking for? And what can we do better? And, um,
0: yeah. What would you like us to do? We might get, you know, 50 tweets saying, don't change a damn thing.
1: Right. Right.
0: But it's our podcast. So we, we have veto power.
1: (laughs) Right. But like, I just want to know, why do you listen? What do you get out of it? What is, what is it? So let us know um, sorry, um, what it is that you get out of, of listening to us. Um, and, and for this one, I think we're going to just do whatever we want. That's (laughs) what we always do anyway. Um, so starting off, uh, Mm -hmm. there was a tweet that happened that, that launched me into a whole like sort of thought experiment and it's around teen Vogue
0: Okay, I have no idea what any of this is, so I'm excited to uh, to dive into whatever this is.
1: You're familiar with like Teen Vogue being this weird revolutionary uh, sort of thing? Yeah,
0: I'm online guy enough to get what that's about.
1: So this tweet is from at Jamie Sant, Tom Jameson. Okay. And it is, this season's must-haves, L, heels, Mary Claire, tuxedo jacket, Teen Vogue, a hatred of Nazis and a working knowledge of the Constitution.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: So, if you have followed anything about Teen Vogue in the last three years, that makes sense to you? Does that make sense to you?
0: Oh, are we doing like a reply all yes, uh, yes, yes, no? yes, no? I just mean, do
1: you do you have a working understanding of why that's funny? Uh, I find it
0: less funny and more poignant.
1: Yes, right. Right?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's framed in a way where it's supposed to be haha ha funny, but...
1: But it's actually... True and poignant and yes. Um, and I I was thinking about it and I had some replies on my uh, Facebook about it and I was talking to some women that I know about it and we're all having kind of a feeling about Teen Vogue in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And so I did some, some research because I, I wondered, like, how did this happen? And what is the context of Teen Vogue being this, like, sort of getting it more right than mainstream media?
0: Yeah. Well, wouldn't it be, like... You know, to be scientific about it, it would, I think, make sense to to be able to look at some older episodes or um, editions of Teen Vogue. Well, I can tell you exactly what happened, because yeah. I found out. Uh-huh.
1: So just backing up a little bit, when I was growing up, teen magazines and also women's magazines and beauty magazines like Vogue and Mary Claire and all of that, um, there was teen and Cosmo, cosmopolitan yeah, and like not just the teen ones, but like the women's magazines, right? Quote, women's magazines were just full of like misogyny, like internalized misogyny. How to please your man. How to please how to your to man. Drive including, I remember when I was like 16, I had this Cosmo and it was like, Here's some like weird sex tips that will make your man crazy, including well, like every, every go on a every hike. <laughs> Listen to this. This is not a joke. I'm not making this up. Go okay, on a hike.
0: We're off to a good start. Yeah.
1: Go off the trail. Just never a good idea.
0: And give him a blowjob.
1: No. Yes. Right. But then <laughs> get a rock. A smooth pebble that you find on the hike and press it against his butthole while you're blowing him <laughs> yeah. and that will make why, him go crazy and why, I'm like oh my god sp-.
0: why do I remember this for right? some reason
1: I was I literally read this when I was like 16 and I was like that seems very I, strange I want to
0: say like I had a girlfriend who read Cosmo and was like do you want me to do this and I mean like, it was one of those no things where don't put rocks we were ass. all
1: like 16 and we were like I think I don't understand sex <laughs> Do we are we meant to find strange pebbles on <laughs> on trails and put them on? I don't think this this is not now, what to I be, understand. To Sex be fair, to me.
0: I mean there are some men who are into that sort of stimulation. Oh no,
1: like pegging and stuff. But like this was like this is a surprise happy moment for your for your man. Where you're just like hiking and you're like yeah. head and then you just like do this thing. And I'm like, I think this is terrifying. You're already on a hiking trail <laughs> in the mountains. I would love
0: to know how many women attempted this and, and like, what
1: are you doing? I mean, it's insane. So this is the kind of thing that, that they told us. Also, it was like, you know, I mean, that was the one that I stuck with me forever. I is remember just like, that, that is, too. Right.
0: It's one of those weird, like. I think I had a girlfriend who told me or asked me if I wanted that, or and I was I mean, like, no. We,
1: I literally asked like my older brother. I was like, Hi, <laughs> this is a weird question. This, is, the this thing. is what Cosmopolitan says, and he was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, wouldn't you like be afraid it was like a, a bug or something else? Because you're like in the mountains. I don't want anything in on my a trail, butt. and like I don't know. So anyway, that's the kind of advice that that these teen, these women's magazines would give us. The other yeah. kinds of advice that they would give us is things about, like, how you should not be such a disgusting fat person and how, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, glitter nail polish is in this week yeah, and the yeah, color yeah, of the yeah. year yes, is whatever. Yes, yes. And, like, it's it, th- th- these are the things that women care about, right? right. That's Just, the assumption that was made, is that how, if you're going to write a women's magazine, it needs to be about um, gossip, about celebrities. How to
0: make your man orgasm how to make How to
1: be a better blood. woman, Garbage. which there's no way to be a good woman. No, no, no. no. That doesn't exist, and they would contradict themselves in every issue. So, you could be a good woman this way, and then the opposite way is also true. Well, wasn't um, it true
0: for years that Cosmos editors were men?
2: I, I, thought I don't I know, but that. I
1: probably. Yeah. I mean, they work for, you know, like Conde Nast. So, like, that's generally. I mean, I think a lot of like the editors were women, but like.
0: Well, Conde Nast also has some good publications under its belt, but. Yeah,
1: Teen Vogue's one of them. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, That's what I grew up with as women's magazines. They were, (laughs) yeah, I think incredibly harmful for young people and incredibly like trash for most adult women, and then a sort of a joke. And then also I worry about like
0: the joke part. I just wanted to say because I had it was like a guilty pleasure. Most of the women I knew in teen years, early twenties, would sort of read it for the like joke value,
1: right? And you like take the quiz in the back about like how to find like who based on what songs you like and colors you like how to find your perfect man and weird bullshit and what his like, first
0: name will be yeah
1: uh, I mean it, it's a joke publication but it's also it, in that way like harmful because it's like I mean like, some
0: women probably did take it as advice or at I least do think so Sub subconscious clues of this is what you're supposed to look like this is how at, you're supposed to well, act and that's, this is what your priorities right? are supposed to be
1: yeah they, like barring the sort of like bizarro put a pebble on the <laughs> asshole of the man you're <laughs> blowing in the woods um there were very real like you know uh, images that women internalize of sure. and they are skinny blonde white women yeah is what you're supposed to be yes. is a skinny blonde white woman yes. with whatever flavor of fashion that week and so if you aren't that then you are not represented and the messaging there is that you are not good yeah. you are not pretty you are not valuable because that's the thing that these magazines tell you is that your value is based on your and it attractiveness. Just, it wasn't
0: just magazines; it was advertising, TV, right? And movies. But we're talking
1: about like specifically like magazines that are meant for geared women, geared toward young women, yeah. And like, so what they're saying is that that is what women care about. Right? Women care about these things. These are the things that are important, and these are the things that give you value. And so I have long just been like a hater. Of these magazines because I think that they do harm. Sure, absolutely, and not good. So, 2016 rolls around and Teen Vogue comes out with this article by Lauren Duca about how. uh, So, so first of all, this is 2017. 2016 Uh. comes out around and Teen Vogue starts to change a little bit, Mm -hmm. and that's because they got this new editor in chief who is a black woman. Yeah, amazing, Um, Elaine Weatheroff and. She has an interesting backstory, but always wanted to be a magazine editor. Um, and so she finally got this opportunity to be the editor in chief of of Teen Vogue and had a meeting with her staff and said, basically, like I'm fucking bored. I can't have another like skinny white lady fashion blogger in this magazine again. like I can't do it. I'm mm-hmm. done doing it, right?" And so she started this sort of revolution within Teen Vogue and it sort of caught on. And then it was the publication of Lauren Duca's article about Trump is gaslighting us. Yes. That that.
0: Should we get into Lauren Duca a little bit? Because. Well, she, before well, we do. OK.
1: Because she's become a controversial ish figure. Yeah. But I want to focus on Teen Vogue for a second and sure. then we'll get into Lauren Duca. The article that she wrote is brilliant.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I it,
1: it. It, it sort of like encapsulated the feelings everybody was having, but we couldn't quite articulate in a way that was like that, that thing, that thing that she just said, that's what I feel like. I feel like I'm, I'm, I, I'm being gaslit by the president, right? Like it's a term that's used to talk about usually like abusive men and, and their partners and how they like make you feel crazy and the things that they did, they didn't really do. And you know, it yeah. comes from an Alfred Hitchcock movie, but, um, she really encapsulated it in a way that made it go viral. And people like Robert Reich were sharing it on their Facebook page and shit. Like it, and, yeah. it, and it launched Teen Vogue into this weird place of like... teen Like Vogue is already a joke. Teen Vogue? Really?
0: He's now making political statements.
1: <clears throat> Why are we doing that, right? Yeah. And it was amazing. Um, and then they just sort of continued to do that. And they featured black women on the covers with afros and like black panther angela davis style and talking about like natural hair and they featured like all kinds of things that like women's magazines don't do
0: yeah, well no magazines do for right the most part, unless it's like the root
1: right i mean she her so that. her roots were ebony magazine that's where she started sure sure and so she started in black media and then Transversed into like what she calls mainstream media and that's not a really common path no but when she did that and when she became the editor she really was just like i don't want to do this
0: well do we know like what happened in terms of their publication numbers and the success of the magazine and so after
1: the lauren duca article
0: reading so
1: after the lauren duca article um when she became editor
0: yeah
1: um the the readership went up 500 percent okay and then she also heard from Condé Nast that they were going to um, cut the print publication, uh-huh. and so they did. And then she—everybody's doing that. She, right? She left, but so Cine *Vogue* still exists, obviously, as an online publication. Which I understand from her perspective how like that was really a tough thing because she wanted to be a magazine editor and then they weren't going to have a print magazine and it's yeah. a whole thing that's interesting there's a without yeah, fail we, we could go episode the, that you can listen to with um, Alex Bloomberg that talks to her specifically for 30 minutes about what that process was like to
0: the print journalism industry yeah.
1: right but Teen Vogue still exists and they yeah. write some of the best like hard hitting commentary that exists and I I just I find myself feeling really Touched by that, Mm -hmm. that that Teen Vogue has become something like, I don't know, like it's a it's a it's a thing that people look to. And I guess there's no way
0: to know this, but I really really like to know with the are are teens reading it.
1: Yeah, and they're contributing. That's the thing. Great. So the the writers and the people that are are reading and 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 contributing to this magazine are young people. These are not, and I think that when you read the things that they're printing it's pretty obvious that they're young people that these are not you know 50 and 60 year old white women that these are very diverse young women um and that they have a thing to say and that this magazine is giving them a place to say it and that the mainstream media is taking it seriously in a way that they i think that they're uncomfortable with (laughs) that teen vogue has become something like you know what the editorial pages of the New York Times used to be right that it's a more uh it's better than the New York Times opinion page teen mm-hmm. Vogue is something that I don't think anybody saw coming and I think it's a thing to say about like the intergenerational work that's happening and like how we take teenagers and young people seriously and how like that conversation has evolved around activism post Trump era, mm-hmm. and I think Teen Vogue is sort of like the the like encapsulation of that, the sort of like where that started. Um, So I just, I don't know. I I just, it fills me with some sort of sense of hope about like a young girl's magazine that still will tell you how to apply your glitter nail polish, Mm -hmm. but in the next page or, you know, whatever is like this hard hitting piece about climate change and baby boomers. And it's like better written than anything the New York Times has posted about climate change. And you're like, at Teen Vogue. okay? And like that's the younger generation. And we're giving them, they are giving them a voice and people are taking them seriously. And I don't know, it's a, it's a hope point for me. It's a thing that I'm happy about and the fact that it's in a women's magazine is sort of interesting, but I, I just sort of like it. And it's hard to, to put into words, but that's the way a lot of the women I've been talking to of my generation and a little older than me, or feeling about Teen Vogue, is like, God, if this had existed when I was a kid. Sure. You know? Yeah. What would the world have been like if I didn't just think that I had to be skinny and put pebbles in boys' butts, (laughs) but I could have actually talked about, like, why do I feel crazy because Trump is the president? You know? Or, like, had they been around when Monica Lewinsky, and, right? Like, what a different conversation maybe we would have had in the media if something like that had existed Mm -hmm. in my childhood and, and teenage years. So, anyway, I just wanted to to do that because i just i've been thinking about it a lot yeah thoughts
0: uh no i i agree and um <clears throat> you know i don't know that there were necessary i'm trying to think like were there magazines for boys I, I, just not really that anything just outside of like sports well, like, like skateboarding everything surfing, magazines. For you? sure right yeah everything naturally but like specifically like there wasn't like anything for teen boys, really. It was like there's no. GQ and Sports Illustrated, Esquire. and obviously porno magazines or Right. You
1: know, Esquire. <coughs> Esquire
0: really wasn't geared towards teen boys.
1: No, basically. none of them were. Yeah. Um, but smart people for a long time have understood that teen girls are a market driver. Yes. And if you get teen girls into something, then you'll make money.
0: Like I try to explain to my bands. All the
1: time. <laughs> There's an entire industry built yeah. around what teen girls like. Yes. Because... Lots of industries. And and then we're also made fun of, right? Like, aren't they such silly, stupid little things that them, we make billions off that, of? That
0: give us their money, yeah, or their parents'
1: money. But like, this. they literally are market drivers, and we treat them like they're silly, stupid little things who don't know anything.
0: Well, because those companies that are using them as market drivers are run by men.
1: Yes. Old men. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Old white dudes.
1: Yes. Speaking of old white dudes, to pivot um
0: number of ways directions we can go with i that mean lead uh which, which old white dude did you want to talk about
1: <laughs> i read this article from the root uh from michael harriet that uh was about um what the fuck's his name gets gates
0: matt gates matt gates they stormed the castle yes the other day.
1: so i want you to tell that story for a minute what um, happened there's an yeah. impeachment hearing. We're not gonna again. We're not gonna cover like here's everything that happened. But like, there's an impeachment inquiry, obviously, and there were some depositions happening uh, with the relevant um, House committees. Yeah, they were
0: they were deposing a witness as part of the um, impeachment, impeachment proceedings. Mm-hmm. And when you're deposing a witness, the committee members of the the committees that are doing that basically or running it and then if you are on the committee if you're a committee member you can be there
1: right it's a um, deposition so and it's the, a legal the, proceeding that are always closed you can,
0: well yeah you could choose to have them open you could choose to have them closed well it's,
1: depositions it, are
0: it's at the discretion of the committee chair right oh you could have an open deposition i mean you typically don't if it's just well, a deposition right
1: wouldn't it wouldn't be a deposition if it was open that would be a hearing
0: Well, then you just call it a hearing. Right. But they they called it a deposition and it
1: was closed. So the reason that that is just really quick is because depositions are a thing where there's like a moderator and then there's like the questioner, which is a lawyer, and then Mm. there's the witness. And like there can be objections, but the witness can still answer. It's a whole different system of like the rules of order than a hearing is. So it's a whole different thing, but it's they're always closed and and then usually they're, the depositions are sealed to the people that were are directly involved in yeah. the case.
0: So basically what the Republicans have been saying uh, in the last couple of weeks is they've, they've sort of turned their tack from "This is all a witch hunt to um, there's no proof to this whistleblower is is a mole to now Democrats are doing everything in secret because they're you know, they're hatching. Due process is being violated. They're denying due process. Right. So Matt Gates, who's this uh young, awful congressman from Florida, because of course Florida yes. man. Republican. Michael Harrick calls him
1: Florida man.
0: He is Flor he is Florida <laughs> man. He's <laughs> yeah. got mugshots to prove yeah. it. He had like five DUIs and, Yeah.
1: He's a garbage. Human. Yeah, yeah.
0: So he um he led this group of of all white old men, including Steve King.
1: Three women.
0: Were there three women? There were three women. I, well they, Out did, of they the didn't 41. make the pictures. They no. put them in the back.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Because all you saw was this cadre of white and old white men. Mm-hmm. Um, and they basically said, so where they're holding this deposition is known as a skiff. And I yes. don't exactly know what that stands for. Oh,
1: okay. I don't know the exact ex- But you can uh, explain
0: in a little bit what it yeah, is. Yeah, so remember
1: when uh, which was the weird cabinet member that tried to build one in his office? Oh, I think
0: it was Zinky, was it? Maybe. Or was it the other guy? I always confuse them. It was so one of those like it... interior guys that had to quit. Uh, it was either Zinky or the other guy. Shit, I don't remember. I don't remember who that other guy was. Because
1: it was so long ago and he's gone through so many guys. <laughs> yeah.
0: So it it's, was, it's yeah. a
1: secured facility that... Um, that no information is allowed out of. Because it's
0: conf- it is confidential or classified. Secured
1: confidential information facility, something like that. I think SCIF. that might be it. Yeah. yeah. So it's a room that like is not, no one's allowed in or out of unless you have access. You're not allowed any technology in or out of the room. It's a mm-hmm. secured place where you and, can go right. and have the reason a conversation. They're
0: going to hold this deposition in a skiff is because the witness uh, who I think was from the Defense Department was was going to be having to discuss classified material, national security sensitive material. Correct. In this deposition. Okay. Correct. So there's a good. So that's to give you some background. So this group of I think forty 41. something Republican. Um,
2: Mostly. And r- I remember,
0: Matt Gates is not on these committees that are holding the deposition. So there's right. there's no reason for him to be there other than I want to be here.
1: But let's just state for the record that. There are a number of Republicans that are on those committees well, that are that. in the skiff, right? I was going to get to He's that. He's just not on that committee. No. And, yeah.
0: And, but the, the other dumb thing was this group of like 40 guys who went and tried to storm the castle and do this, at least a quarter of them could have been in that deposition.
1: Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they were on those
0: committees and they, they could have been there, but they decided, you know, for the, for the showmanship of right. it to... right. You know, join the Storm the Castle Brigade. So it did wind up delaying the proceedings for a few hours. Five hours, yeah. But yep. then they deposed her for three hours later. So it really accomplished nothing. Uh, what they did do, though, was they brought in their cell phones and live tweeted yep. and apparently took pictures inside the skiff.
1: Which is against the law. <laughs> yeah. It's you, a crime.
0: You can't do that. Now, I don't know how They it's just were live tweeting their crimes. Yeah.
1: Which is the thing that you do if you're a white man. Yeah. You just they, live tweet your crimes. And, and they even had to, to
0: explain it, backtrack it. Even Fox News was like, Uh you guys, good on you. But that. you went into the skiff with the phones you and can't. they're like, Oh yeah, yeah, we shouldn't have done that. But you know, what well, it's not a big deal, whatever. So you know, it's not It a is big, a big
1: deal. It is a big deal. But who knows if it'll be made one? We
0: yeah. don't know. Who knows? So, um I mean that's there's really not much more to say about that. It was an obvious stunt. It didn't move the needle or change anything. No,
1: I, what I want to say about it is what happened that I think is interesting, which is what I was talking about white men. So, this uh, Congresswoman phew, shit, Perrello, I want to say, Okay. Um, was sort of quoted, she was had a little clip where she was like, this was nothing more than a prank by a bunch of 50-year-old white men. Uh, right? That sounds about right. That's True. Uh, to the Roots credit, they were like, actually, the average age of Republicans is 57. (laughs) Um, So old white men maybe have been better. But so he goes on Fox News Mm -hmm. and the Fox News host plays the clip and he immediately starts being like, this is so offensive. Did she say that I was a white man? (laughs) Did she say, did she specifically call out my gender and my race? Oh, okay. And she was like, I mean, I just... Played you do the clip and I'm giving you a chance to respond is literally what she said Yeah, and he was like I find that incredibly offensive How I don't understand I don't understand what that has to do with me wanting to have due process do I say when she walks in the room a white woman do I say when other people that aren't you know that are different ethnicities or whatever are that do I say that no what relevance and it's like Dude, you're a white man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you is- are offended by that, I think that's really good. Mm-hmm. And you should do some internal work about why being a white man is bad. Right. Because you are literally offended by what you are. Yeah. And to to Michael Harriet's credit, he points out that like, it's not actually that he's offended by being called a white man. It's just that he knows what that actually means. <laughs> Which is that as a white sure. man, you can literally break into a skiff with a cell phone. Yeah. And like... And-
0: they more or less get away with it. Like, Obstruct. I, I don't justice think any of and those like, congressmen are going to like wind up going to prison or anything like. No, that.
1: nothing's going to happen to them. Yeah. More because or less. why? Yeah. Because they're white men.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Exactly. And the, and that and so if you're offended by being called a white man, then then why? Yeah. What's What's behind that? Right.
0: That's a really good question. Right.
1: Well, I mean, it
0: makes sense in the Fox News sphere where they're re, they're. Uh, viewers actually believe it's it's white people who are the victims of racism from yeah. all the minorities so
1: if you point out that I'm white then you're racist which
0: which uh, this is a good segue we should talk about the University of Missouri athletic department yes. thing go ahead um,
1: okay they, yeah
0: so the University of Missouri as part of like their adversity drive something no no
1: inclusiveness adversity would not be <laughs> inclusiveness drive
0: uh, diversity is what I meant
1: oh. Diversity, but I think they're calling it inclusiveness.
0: Inclusiveness, something like
1: that. Yeah, NCA inclusiveness is the hashtag. They
0: they decided to uh, sort of profile four student athletes, two black, two white.
1: In an effort to say that student athletes are more than just athletes.
0: Yes. and That's the thing they said. And they sort of like ostensibly what they did was they interviewed these four athletes and said, like, describe yourself, describe like who you are and where you see yourself in five years right. and whatever. Right. And so they said things like, well, I'm, you know, I'm a student athlete and I'm studying uh, business and I'm going to be a financier or whatever. Right. Like the two or three of them said doctors and one said financier yeah. for the white. It was, I think two white, girls women Mm -hmm. uh the quotes the pull quotes that they used were so they
1: they they made this like tweet right with pictures of like the black woman the white woman
0: with quotes yeah with quotes i
1: am this right sort of being like more than just a volleyball player i am a future right whatever right like this was the point is like not just athletes
0: one of the white women the quote they pulled was i'm a future financier right the other white woman i think was i'm a future doctor yeah something like that yeah the black man and the black woman, the black woman was, I'm an African-American.
1: I'm an African-American woman.
0: Woman. That and, was her pull quote. And, the, and the, the black guy's pull quote they pulled was, quote, I'm a brother.
1: Yeah. And they put them all four together in one little picture. And this was their attempt at inclusiveness.
0: Now, to me, the, the siren just went off.
1: Oh, yeah. Obviously. So first of all, if you show a picture of a black woman, I don't need a quote from her saying I'm an African-American woman because I can see her.
0: But it gets worse when you get the full context because they said the full, cause the full piece, I think, ran in the student newspaper. Mm-hmm. And so the full thing is like the, the woman said, you know, I'm studying. I forget what it was. I think it was like physical
1: therapy. I think physical therapy.
0: And I'm a future physical therapist or a future therapist. Yeah. Something like that, and then the the man the man said, "I'm a brother, I'm an uncle, I'm a son, I'm, I'm a, a son, I'm a, yeah. a future something." I forget.
1: Yeah, I so, didn't read the. I think they've since yeah. So taken it's not it like
0: it's not like that's all the black kids said. So that's all they had to work with. Like they said the same things basically as the right. white kids, right? And uh, of course the you know the African American woman. You know, prefaced it with, I'm an African American woman. She probably said,
1: like, you know, I am at this college, and as an African American woman, I have done this and this and that. Right. As the first of whatever. And they just pulled the quote, I'm an African American woman. Right. That's all she said. Nothing about who who she is other than the thing that I can clearly see when I look at her.
0: Why that's so insidious. And and so I, I immediately got it. And I think it took you a minute or so to process it. Is that fair to say? No,
1: I think that I. Was confused about who was putting this out. Like my my confusion was around: is this like the dean being like just blinded and not seeing it? Mm. Like he he saw this thing like oh this is great we have two black people and two white people (laughs) and they're future things and that guy is that's that's good. But the dean, this guy says something. I, I mean, this is this is why I was confused. Is like is this. My my interpretation of this was that like the university, like the dean, put out this thing as part of the inclusiveness thing, and like there was just a bunch of white people who looked at this and didn't see a problem, and that is a problem on its own. Your take was different.
0: No, no, no. My take was immediately this was this was uh, offensively racist, and that was the point.
1: Right. You're no. Of course, it's offensively racist. Both of us got that immediately. No, no, no. Purpose, you were purposefully. saying they did this on purpose. Yes. That absolutely. somebody did this in order. To they were put on this thing to do a thing and they didn't like that they had to do it. And mm-hmm. so they made it offensive on purpose. I mean,
0: I don't know what their motivation was, but to, like, okay, I'm from the South.
1: You're from Florida in Texas, yeah.
0: Well, yeah, but like, you know, Florida what certainly once you get to you know the the strongholds of the white people, it's the deep south
1: yeah.
2: in
0: Florida. Yeah. Even in South Florida. Yeah. And this mentality. Is really easy to understand, especially because if you say something like that and people like us complain, like, what are you offended about? That, you know, we're saying, I'm an African American, I'm a brother. Isn't that what they call each other, brothers? Like, especially the words they used and the way they used it.
1: Well, and I think it's even more nefarious than that because they can go back to the pull quotes and say, He literally said, I am a brother. Right. And I, but, the context right, they can pretend to be ignorant about,
0: yeah, they think they're being slick about
1: it, yeah, right, so, so I so that's all they see her as of all the things they said, that's the pull quote, but they can be like she did say that, yes, right, and he did say that, yeah, that's their defense, but
0: then, no, no, that's that's too innocuous to say that's how they see them, they're like, no, they did that on purpose to 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 show a. <laughs> They did this to try to juxtapose this idea of these white kids saying, I'm a future financier, I'm a future doctor, like, I'm a brother, I'm an African-American. Like, that's where they were going with that. Right. And that is
1: really disgusting. Absolutely. Absolutely. My question is, again, this did not come from some kid from the University of Missouri, right this isn't like some racist asshole from a frat who like no I thought you said it was up. like the
0: equipment manager or something like
1: no that. no no so the kid who's I'm a brother isn't even a student athlete is that he's no, no he was no so. he's not he's an a ticket assistant
0: oh, oh so they
1: didn't okay. even they couldn't even find like there's plenty of
0: black student athletes I in mean Missouri. right
1: but that's not the point the point is this is not a tweet from some racist kid from the University of Missouri the point is this came from from the account of the University of Missouri, mm-hmm. which means that somebody other than this racist kid who put this together approved it. But you,
0: well, well, here's the thing, right? Like this is not like a place where you work, like we're going to put a, together a diversity committee and then people volunteer. It's like everybody who works in the sports information department at the University of Missouri got something handed down from the top that said we're doing this diversity thing Um, you graphic arts this is what you have to come up with and And nobody
1: approved it you're telling me that no one they just let one kid or two kids do something super racist and put it out on the University of Missouri's inclusiveness hashtag and no one else looked at it I would
0: say whoever was in charge of editing took a quick glance from whatever they were doing saw four pictures and some quotes and said yeah looks great
1: yeah okay That's my point was just like, this isn't some kid who did this. I mean, it is right. But like this was this was greenlit by the university. Is it
0: possible the the editor or leader was some vapid middle aged white man or woman who was like, oh, looked at it and was like, that looks
1: great. And it even says diversity right there. Good. (laughs) Sounds good. Good job, guys. And didn't they don't see it. Right. The kid did it on purpose. The person who approved it. Didn't even notice that that was a maybe we, we, problematic. We
2: don't know,
0: but to me, I would say there's like less than five percent of a five percent chance that this was an innocuous mistake that just looks bad.
1: No, I think it's both. I think it's not innocuous. I think it was intentional by the person who did it, and I think that they probably knew that whoever was going to approve it wouldn't see it for what it is. Okay, and both of those things are problematic.
2: Anyway, it's just
0: like a blip on the radar. It's, you know, you know, you're not going to hear about it in the news probably. But, you know, it's something that caught our attention because it's like there's a lot of talk about microaggressions, right? Yes. If if you're a a person of color and somebody comes up to you on the street and calls you the N-word and throws a fist at you. Like that is an aggression. That's an act of it's an overt act of aggression. Yes. It can't be, you can't explain it away. No. You, it is what it is. We yes. all understand what it is. Yes. If somebody, if you're walking on the street and a white person sees you and then quickly crosses the street for no reason mm-hmm. and looks at you suspiciously, that's a microaggression.
1: Right. Or um, you see a black person walk across the street and you lock your doors
2: mm-hmm.
1: or you say something like, um, You know, like, oh,
0: this neighborhood is going, like saying it to yourself, like, oh, this neighborhood's turning to crap or whatever.
1: Or saying to a black woman like, oh, my God, is that your real hair or is that a wig (laughs) or what do you, can I touch it? They
0: can be even more subtle than that. Yeah. Now, these microaggressions and like you've taught me so much about this with the shit women endorse. Yes. Like so much stuff before I was with you, I really just didn't even notice. Yeah. And now, like, oh, there's yeah. that. There's that I'm noticing. Yeah, like as as a woman or as a person of color, like just dealing with those every, all day, every day. Um, that shit is wrong, and it's damaging.
1: It is, and it's it's. um it is it, it is intentional in a way, but it is also a thing that you can explain away. That's the problem with microaggressions. Exactly, Is that when...
0: Oh, no, I was just curious. Or, oh, no, I was just saying the state of the building. Well, and
1: or, what's the even bigger problem about microaggressions is that when you experience one and you try to explain it to somebody else... They don't get it. They do this thing, which is a a version of gaslighting, which is the most frustrating thing.
0: You misunderstood. No, I
1: don't think they meant it that way. I don't think they meant it that way. I'm sure it wasn't that. I'm sure you're taking it the wrong way, and that's not really an... I don't know. He seems very nice and that's not it. And it's like, oh my God, stop.
2: Yeah, Stop, 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 stop. Like like
1: I know I do not minimize my experience of my lived experience. This is not a thing that happened to me one time that was weird. This is a thing that happens to me all day, every day, constantly. And so this guy might be nice, but he did that thing. This happens to the black women in my life constantly. They have this thing happen. And then they try to explain it to the people around them and the people around them are like, no, I don't think he did. I don't think, no, that's I think you're being too meant. sensitive. And like, I don't think he meant it that way. I don't think that they would do that. They're yeah. not racist. And you're like, oh my God, that's not the fucking point. Super frustrating. And like, I can sort of understand it because I, I come from a place of sort of experiencing microaggressions as a woman. Mm-hmm. So when I hear it from black women, you just pile it on, right? Like yeah. you can have a microaggression as a woman, and then add on the fact that you're black to that, and like it's just a constant fucking onslaught for yeah. them.
0: No, you're absolutely right. And I, I, I have to be honest. Like I used to do that. I think I've had yeah. exes that tell me stories like, "Oh no, that's not. That's probably not. Right? Don't be oversensitive." And and so yeah, I had to, I had to learn that. Yeah. Like,
1: and yeah. I'm like, have you ever had someone treat you that way?
0: Right. And you've you like, been in that situation? Have
1: in that situation if someone said that to you? Has anyone ever, first of all?
0: Mhm.
1: And that's the other step is like, well, that's never happened to me, so obviously it doesn't happen. <laughs> and you're like, okay, <laughs> or well, it's
0: never happened to you so you can't
1: relate. Or it's I've never witnessed it. Right. Like I'll get catcalled by myself, but I don't get catcalled with you. Mhm. So you could be one of those men that's like I walk around with you all day and that never happens you're sure. making it up or you're you're over exaggerating and it's like doesn't happen because you're fucking there
0: Well, if you walk around with enough women enough times like they will get catcalled when you're by their side or holding hands with them it doesn't matter
1: But way less often, right?
0: Oh yeah. Way less often, but I'm not going to say it never happens. It certainly does. Right. I've seen it. And you've
1: seen the weird microaggression thing we've talked about before with Mm -hmm. like, I'm not going to give you the thing you want Mm because I want you to do a thing. Absolutely. Uh, You finally witnessed it and you were like, Oh, that's what it is. And I'm like, yep. Mm. (laughs) Did he do that to you? And you're like, no, No. (laughs) I just got my coffee. You had to go through extra hoops to get your tea. Yeah. 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 (sighs) Anyway, so that's microaggressions and it, it's a thing. And and this is one of those, that's the part about this. Like you said, it's not like the newspaper printed the N-word underneath the black girl's name, right? right? Yeah. It's like they can point to like, no, I didn't mean it that way. Yeah, She said she wasn't. Look, th- this is the quote. This is everything she said. And it says right there, I'm an African-American woman. So I just decided to put that there.
2: What's the problem? What's
1: the problem? She is one. Why would that be bad? And like then the other white people in the room, it gives them an out. Yeah. It gives them this opportunity to say, I mean, he's not wrong. But again, I
0: don't think that many people were involved. I think it was one shitty person who was just put in charge of it. No one really checked their work. Yeah. And that's why we got that.
1: I mean, who knows? But the, but the point is that the University of Missouri now can go back and say, well, I think he just misunderstood what we were trying to do here. I think they already and apologized blah, blah, blah. and took it
0: down or changed it.
1: I mean, the tweet is unavailable at this point. Yeah, yeah. so they took it down. Yeah, okay. but that's the point of like overt versus non-overt racism is that it can be easily explained away by other white people because it's uncomfortable to admit that that kid did a racist thing.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, we're coming up on a break. In the second half, we're going to talk about Rudy Buttgate.
1: Oh, my God, boomers. <laughs> boomers being boomers. And and, they're in charge.
0: And uh, Bill Barr did something or is working on something that's a little frightening and I think most of my peers are just kind of reacting like oh it's okay he's doing a thing and I think it's much more scary and noteworthy uh, to talk about so we will certainly most definitely get to that Uh, okay that's about it for this half we will be back in just a bit hang tight To Reverend Testimony, so I guess it's time to talk about uh, Rudy Buttgate, yes, or the Smoking Butt, as some people are calling it on Twitter.
1: Yeah, Boomer Butt. Boomer That's Butt. What I would like to <laughs> talk about it. Yeah.
0: So I'll give a little bit of background, and then we can we can talk about it more. But <laughs>
1: okay,
0: uh, good old Rudy went Giuliani. Uh, Giuliani, obviously, yeah, a couple weeks ago. Had uh, I guess it was like a week and a half ago at this mm-hmm. point. Had spoken to a reporter about him representing some Iranian business interest Mm -hmm. that was kind of controversial because Rudy's got his fingers in every weird, corrupt Corrupt. pie in the world, Mm -hmm. it seems like. Um, And he said, gave some kind of comment on that to some reporter at, was it NBC? Yes. Okay. Uh, Later that night.
1: 11.07 p.m.
0: He's having a conversation with one of his henchmen. uh, In a room. In a room. Like, and, in person. And he butt dials that said same reporter. reporter yeah. yeah. And says a bunch of stuff.
1: But said reporter was asleep, so it went to voicemail. So it
0: went to voicemail, yeah.
1: The reporter's voicemail... Kind of reporter is
0: asleep at 11? Come
1: on. Well, <laughs> right. But the voicemail, um, his voicemail only allows three minutes to uh-huh. be recorded.
0: Oh, God knows what he missed.
1: So there is a three-minute recording of Rudy Giuliani talking to...
0: There's multiple recordings. Someone. Yeah.
1: Um, at 11 o'clock at night. And yeah. what did he have to say?
0: A lot of interesting things. It's, it's kind of hard to pinpoint. Uh, a lot of it was garbled, hard to understand. A lot of it uh, was- The
1: other guy you can't really hear. You can't
0: really hear the other guy. And it's it's not exactly clear what he's talking about all the time. Right, but or
1: most of the time. But there's really um, interesting snippets.
0: There's interesting context clues. There's interesting snippets to discuss, and it's uh, it's interesting. <laughs> the one I have a couple takeaways. Um, if you want to get into what he yeah, actually said, please. Uh, one of my takeaways: the the interesting part was he really does kind of believe, or he acts like he he play acts to whoever he's talking. His belief that the Bidens did all this terrible criminal stuff, and and that you know it's really. It's right of them to put it in the open, and it's actually really important that they tell the world about all this horrible Biden stuff. But the funny part is, or the stupid part is, what he seems to be most angry about or self-righteous about is the fact that Joe and his son Hunter Biden go around the world and use their name to make a lot of money. And I'm thinking, you're pissed about that, Rudy Giuliani? That is literally how, A, you've made your fortune, and B, how your client has made his questionable fortune. That's that's the only way you two idiots have money. Have money.
1: Like that you were America's mayor? The mayor of New York, right? During America's 9/11. mayor and then you left public office and you joined a law firm and you became a lobbyist. And used your name yeah. as America's mayor but to never, make a
0: fortune. Well, you never were officially a lobbyist. You were always off the record because you were dealing with dictators and crime bosses and Russian mafia and Iranian mafia. And Using
1: literally not yeah. your skills or intelligence or anything no, else. No, because you're a shit lawyer. Obviously. But your name. Yeah. America's.
0: And Donald Trump is literally Donald Trump because he's a tabloid star and a reality show star.
1: And a rich asshole from New York. Who became that because of that. He always wanted to be a celebrity. Yeah, but on this call. And his children are literally doing exactly that on a scale that is unimaginable compared to what Joe Biden's son might be doing.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know what the Bidens are doing. They're probably doing that to some degree. <laughs> yeah. But for Rudy Giuliani to be self-righteously so incensed
1: by it, yeah, it's like,
0: wait, what? What occurs to me is that, like, how dare he muscle in on my territory? Like, I mean, that's
1: the only way to look at it, right? Like, or no, you know what it is? What he doesn't believe that that's why he has these contacts.
0: Oh, that that he's that he's special.
1: So that's he's white man, right? So he (laughs) believes he believes though of himself that the reason he has all of these contacts and the reason that he's able to have all of this access is because he's exceptional in some way. Mm-hmm. It's not because of some thing it's that he's, his name is he's, Giuliana, he's known, right? That's not and why he has
0: connections.
1: It's because he's exceptional and everyone else is not exceptional. And so if you just quote, use your name, then that's exploitative. But what he's doing is just being exceptional all over the place.
0: I got to hand it to Rudy. Um, you know, what they tell you when you're up and coming in the business world is you got to network. You got to make connections. Network. Well, Rudy certainly made those. He's got connections in the intelligence. He's got connections in oil and gas. He's got connections in weapons and arms dealers. He's, yeah. I mean, he's. They were he, talking he, about
1: Bahrain. They were talking about Turkey, like yeah. all kinds of shit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He is. And, and it's all nefarious, obviously. It's all to make rich assholes like him and the people he works for richer. I'll yeah. Probably literally on the blood of children. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for him to say that those Bidens using their name to make money all over the world, that's ah, so corrupt. Like,
2: holy oh shit, dude. Oh,
0: my God. <laughs> Who <laughs> are you, are you kidding? again? kidding? Yeah. Like, that is literally your boss's
1: MO. Ostentatious, for sure. Yeah. Um, so that's the part that
0: kind of stuck out to me. come
1: from big law, the part that stuck out to me was that there's this very audible point where Somebody asks him. Uh, they're talking about this person, Robert. Yeah. He says that Robert's in Turkey. We should get a hold of him. Yeah. And so the Robert that everyone thinks they're referring to, who would be in Turkey, is a person he used to work for, or not work for, but work with in a big law firm, Greenberg Traurig, mm-hmm. um, which is a big law place where Rudy went to huge, after he huge left. Law. Yeah, big law to the big law. Yeah. Um, that he left when he left public service, he went and worked for Greenberg Traurig and. The Robert that's in references, I forget his last name, um, was uh, declared uh, Turkey. What do they call it? Um, I don't want to say asset, but <laughs> <laughs> um, like a an official like convoy or whatever to yeah. Turkey. Like a a person who has declared that they are working for in the interests of this other country, right? And so they worked in this law firm together, and I can tell you that. When you work in a law firm, especially big law, they really encourage like the lawyers to network with each other, mm-hmm. to be like, "How can you bring me more business?" and "How can you bring yes. me more business?" And yes. they do all these lunches yes. and these yes. dinners yes. and there these these what they call business development. Um, and so it's almost certain that the person that they're referring to as Robert, who's in Turkey, is Robert from Turkey who worked at Greenberg. Um, and that's an interesting thing that yeah, his gonna partners have are going to have some
0: questions now.
1: Yeah, yeah. They should. I mean, I'm
0: sure they knew he was working with Rudy, but now that Rudy is the subject him, of, of criminal investigation, yeah, that's the heat they don't want on their firm.
1: And then the other big thing was, there's just this moment where you hear him very clearly say. We're going to need a couple hundred thousand dollars
0: for what? From and who? you're like
1: from wait where did where did that come from? From what? From who? For who, why? It needs
0: to be greased, bribed, paid off, hushed up. Like why
1: do you need a couple hundred thousand dollars from and unfortunately, whom? And to whom are you going yeah, to give it?
0: Unfortunately, a lot of it is unaudible. Yeah. who knows?
1: Right? Because it's a butt dial. Yeah. Which also, like, this is the thing that keeps coming back to me. Is like, we are living in a world where. People who were born before, like, you know, like when cars were starting to be a thing, <laughs> are running the world.
0: Wait a minute, that's not, those people would be dead.
1: So, the Model
0: T came out in like 1910, maybe not quite that old. Highways, so when highways.
1: Most people have cars in what, the 1930s?
0: 30s and 40s. Was cool.
1: Yeah. When was Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and Joe Biden born?
0: In the 40s, 30s and 40s. I think. I think maybe. Uh, I'm sorry, Warren in the 50s. So no, wait a minute. No, she's turning 70, so it would be like 49.
1: So we're we're the leaders of our country and in our own party too. Oh yeah, are people who were born before everybody had a car?
2: Yeah.
1: Okay, so. So let that sink in. Let for alone a second.
0: smartphones and computers. Think about and- that.
1: Look, let's just do the math, right? Cars were new when you were born. Yeah. And now we live in 2019. Yeah. And you're the people running the country. And like,
0: well, they talk about this with Trump constantly. Like Trump is not great with technology. He doesn't use email. He he's doesn't really smart, understand to not understand phones. No. Yeah, and yeah, he's very smart about to using email. You can only imagine if he did. Although his kids do. But in any event, um, yeah, like everybody talks about how uh, you know unsecured phones and who's listening in and are his phones hacked and he's using out of date security protocols. Yeah. and
1: like he has no idea.
0: Yeah, and that's a function not only of Trump being an asshole, but just Trump being like old and unwilling and uninterested in keeping up with technology.
1: Right, right, exactly. And like Giuliani,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I know when I have sensitive conversations, um,
0: you take precautions. We'll you just take leave it
1: precautions. At that. Yeah, like your fucking phone isn't in your back pocket. Maybe being butt dialing <laughs> the NBC reporter you just talked to three hours ago.
0: Yeah, well you're you kind of make well, sure you're that talking like, to one of your henchmen mm, about the the hush money you need. The hush money you for, need for, to bury the bodies in Turkey, like whatever the fuck you might, might want to you know,
1: like here. where your phone is and what it's doing yeah. while you're having that conversation, regardless of whether or not the state is like monitoring it.
2: Yeah,
1: just like maybe don't butt dial a journalist mm-hmm. and then leave a three minute message about hush money. Like, it's crazy to me that, but then it's also not crazy because he's fucking old, right? Yeah. Which leads me into the next conversation I want to have. Okay. Which is about old people running for office in the Democratic Party. <laughs> oh, In baby, a serious you're way. we are going
2: to
0: get some emails.
1: That's fine. I want to have this conversation.
0: Let's have this conversation.
1: So I went and got my hair done last Saturday. I was talking to Nathaniel, who's the greatest human. I love him. He is my hairstylist. He is twenty-three um, with the emotional intelligence and wisdom of I don't even know, like the Dalai Lama. He's amazing. Yeah. And we were discussing um, primary, right? And mm-hmm. I had just come off of. Visiting my older brother Josh, who we talk about a lot, right? Yes. And the The, the sort of quintessential
0: independent swing voter, independent
1: swing voter who really doesn't care, but kind of doesn't know about all that liberal stuff, but like definitely hates Donald Trump and definitely votes Democrat, but like but is
0: scared to death of Elizabeth Warren,
1: yeah, and thinks he's going to be rich someday, so like can't. Tends to to lean right
0: on economics,
1: yes, but like absolutely like loves his queer sister and like. Don't be a fucking asshole and Nazis are bad, right? Yeah,
0: he's he really checks a lot of swing voter boxes.
1: He literally said to me, Hey, so there was this like debate the other night on CNN, and I was like, Yes, there was. (laughs) And he was like, Yeah, I tuned in for a couple minutes, and uh, I don't know, there was a lot of them up there, and I was like, Yeah,
2: (laughs)
0: yeah, yeah, it's
1: it's true. And he's like, So I I don't know, I'm not like yet into like the whole thing yet, but like I started to do a little bit of research, and that's
0: really important there. When he said, I'm not into it yet. Like, no. We look yeah. at all these polls yeah. and we like no. hyperventilate over every poll yeah. that comes out. Yeah. The majority of the swing independent type voters who are going to decide this election are not paying attention no. and they won't pay attention until a few months before the election. He
1: literally doesn't know who any of these people are. So he's like, do you want to hear my impression? I did like a little bit of research on the people that seemed like the most competent.
0: Oh, I'm going to take a guess.
1: And I was like, I would love to hear that. <laughs> Is he yes. like
0: Andrew Yang? No. Okay.
1: He was like, I got some issues. And like, I gotta be honest with you, he is on the nose in a way that he doesn't understand when he says some of these things. Oh, I I want to hear this, because we haven't had this conversation. No, we haven't. We were gonna do it last week, but we haven't. So he goes, All right, so from what I can tell from like just how much they talked and like who these people are and what I sort of see peripherally like, you got Joe Biden, right? Mm -hmm. And then you got Bernie Sanders and you got Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. And I was like Yeah, totally. And he's like, Cool. Um they're really fucking old. <laughs> and I was like, "Yes." And he was like, "Like, Elizabeth
0: Warren doesn't come off as old as those guys."
1: Agreed, but that's that we're going to get to our dissection of this, but this is what Josh had to say. Okay. And he was like, "You know, I think that like that's fine, but it's not. Like, I'm not old, and like, I don't know that I want my parents running the country and people even <laughs> older than my parents running the country for the next eight years. Can they even? Or are they gonna die? And he's like, Something happened with Bernie. Like, didn't he like something happen? I was like, He had a heart attack. And he's like, A heart attack? And I was like, Yeah. And he's like, Jesus. And I was like, Yeah, yeah. It, matters, he's like, it matters to people. He's like, So we got three really old people that are gonna be the top three for the Democratic Party. And I was like, Well, Trump's really old. And he's like, Yeah, but like, that's who I have to pick from is really, really old people who don't know anything. And I was like, well, I don't think they don't know anything. And he was like, no, I'm just saying, like, do they understand the world that we live in? Or, like, do they? And I was like, well, I don't know. Okay. Well, Warren's
0: a college professor.
1: Right. So that was his first note. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, look, Elizabeth Warren, um, I think her ideas are really great, but, like, She, from what I can tell, really hates banks. Yes. And Wall Street. Yes. And like wants to like destroy capitalism essentially.
0: Well, she wants to rein it in.
1: And I was like, yeah, I love her. And he was like, (laughs) okay, but Rach, like...
0: That's what I... That's my field.
1: He's like, but Rach, like the bankers and Wall Street and the rich people, they're the ones that run the country. Yeah. They're the ones that secretly run the country, right? And I was like, well, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, so she can't win. You, you can't be a person who goes after the banks and the rich people for your entire career and make a campaign about destroying rich people and then win the presidency. Like, you can't, that's not feasible. And I was like, stop saying things that are true that I don't wanna believe, right? And I was like, but, well, I mean, she's done pretty well in her career doing that and like she, she created the Consumer Protection Board and he was like, I hate that. And I was like, well, you work for a fucking bank. And he's like, yeah fair it's mostly just a pain in my ass and yeah. i was like as a consumer do you appreciate it and he was like
0: oh. yeah your credit, your credit card can't spike he was rates. like oh i yeah.
1: never thought about it that way because he right. works for a bank he works for wells fargo yeah. and he was like at work it sucks but like oh i mean yeah i guess and i was like right so don't vote for your boss right vote for you right. do you appreciate the consumer financial production board or not and he was like it's a pain in my ass at work but i guess but he's like but still like and then didn't Trump just sort of dismantle it? And I was like, yeah,
0: tried, trying to.
1: And he's like, so like, she can't win. That's just a fact. Cause like the bankers, the fucking rich people are not going to let her win. Bernie, come on. He's old. You just told me he had a heart attack. He's a crazy yelling person. And he's like, Joe Biden is just like creepy and weird and nobody likes him. And why is he trying to take credit for things Obama did? And I was like, that's really interesting that you picked up on that. He's like, I don't know. Every time I heard him talk on the debate and I only watched it for like 20 minutes, he just kept talking about all this stuff Obama did. And I was like,
0: yep, no, nope, that's. You, but you can understand Biden doing that, right? Because Al Gore tried to do the opposite. Right. Al Gore tried to run away from Clinton. But and, and be he's his taking own man.
1: credit for shit that Obama did. And it's offensive to Josh that he's doing that because he's like, isn't a vice president kind of like doesn't do anything? And I was like, yes. But it's
0: not. Interestingly, it's not all that offensive to black voters, it seems.
1: I know. And
0: <laughs> You would think they would be more suspended. I was talking
1: to somebody the other day And they were like Y'all white people need to go collect your folks That want to vote for Mayor Buttigieg Like we're going to go collect our aunties And get them to knock off the Joe Biden shit But y'all <laughs> got to go collect your yeah, Buttigiegs Because but, like that needs to stop Buttigieg
0: is only showing a pulse in Iowa Everywhere else nobody gives a shit
1: about Right. Them. But anyway so Josh's take is that If these are our three frontrunners um, We will lose
0: could be right. So
1: I'm talking to Nathaniel, and I'm like, this is what Josh says. And he's like, unfortunately, as um, uneducated as he may be, I don't disagree with most of the things he just said. I was like, I know that's the really like disheartening part about It's like, he hasn't been following any of this. He watches 20 minutes of a debate, researches the top three people, and identifies immediately so Repo- the things so that Republicans, we are having anxiety about. Republicans can nominate
0: a racist old delusional guy, but we can't have an old person who might get the flu sometime or just seems a little out of touch on things. That's a deal breaker. If it's a Republican it's okay because at the end of the day they'll preserve the capitalist system that we know. Is yes. that is that, that's where we're at? I mean if, if that's where we're at, we're so screwed that we shouldn't even bother do we should stop this podcast right now and just run naked in the streets.
1: Well they, no, no I don't right. think that's where we're at. I think that's where Josh is coming from. So mm-hmm. I I pressed him and I said, so going back to Elizabeth Warren, um, you know, you like the things she's saying? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And he's like, it doesn't matter to me if I like the things she's saying because I don't think that she can get elected because the bankers aren't going to let her get elected. And I'm like... What if the bankers
0: don't really decide it anymore?
1: Right. I'm like, but if it was possible, would you want to dismantle... The things she wants to dismantle in the ways that she'd want to. And he's like, That seems like a pipe dream. And I'm like, That's not what I'm asking you. Have a pipe dream for a minute. Mm-hmm. Right? Like we used to have slavery. Yeah. And that was the status quo. That's how yes. we built this country. And then somebody said we shouldn't have it anymore. And everyone said, Well, that's how we do things. And we
0: used to not have any regulations. There's on no way and he's like, in the he goes, Well,
1: then, then we had a civil war. And I was like, Yep. But we sure don't have slavery did. anymore, right? Yeah. And he's like, I just think it's a pipe dream. And so it spawned this conversation with my hairstylist, which is the point I'm getting to, which was the idea about Bernie and Warren. Because nobody likes Joe Biden of our people. That's just not... No, yeah, right. I was going to say,
0: plenty of people like Joe Biden. Nobody, Still we're going to get
1: rid police. of Joe Biden. It's fine. Uh, okay. Nathaniel's point was, you know, we started talking about the... The squad, right? And their endorsement of Bernie Sanders and how he felt about that. How do you feel about that? Elon, Omar, and AOC endorsing Bernie Sanders. And yeah, why do you think they did it and how do you feel I, about I it? I was a little uh, confused with the timing
0: of it. Um, and I'm not I'm not 100% sure why they would
1: choose this moment to do it. Um, I'm not talking about timing. I'm talking about the candidate.
0: Oh, about Bernie?
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I, Bernie, not Warren.
0: Uh, I get it. Well, why? Well, I, I think it's mostly optics. Ultimately, when she's pressed, Warren says, I want to preserve this capitalist system and just make it more fair. And Bernie's basically, I want to burn it the fuck down. Now, actually, he doesn't actually want to do that. He wants to do the same as Warren, more or less, yep. with some tweaks. But it's in the messaging.
1: I think it's different. Because t- Nathaniel was like, I'm literally flabbergasted by this choice. And I said, I think that, and I'm not trying to criticize them. I think they can make whatever choice they want. I think this has much more to do with gaining the support of Bernie supporters than anything else. And then Nathaniel said something really smart. He thought about it for a second and he said, oh.
0: The squad didn't already have the Bernie supporters? I I don't understand that.
1: No. They hadn't endorsed anybody. And if... You're a woman of color, right? Yeah. And you come out for Elizabeth Warren, who comes after you?
0: All, All the, the Bernie neighbors. bros. But why
1: All they, the way. Okay, so they well, made a measured choice. Why do they have to endorse anybody? They made a measured choice about this. Look, we already have to endure the racism of white people on the left. If we can garner their support via the endorsement of bernie sanders we get all the bernie bros on our side and they start making these weird things about see elon omar is not an anti-semite and all this weird shit right the weird bernie bro racist white assholes if we can get them on our side which if we are not on their side it becomes this burn down right this like this crazy violent assault against them on social media but i still don't understand if they get bernie sanders supporters on their side by endorsing him then they'll be on their side forever like they still support tulsi gabbard for reasons that make no sense it's not ideological it's about him so if you get bernie supporters to be like oh now i love elon omar now i love aoc now i love ian and presley like i love these people then like They're on your side forever. And then when essentially Bernie doesn't win and Elizabeth Warren wins and Bernie endorses Elizabeth Warren, they can, and then they can come back and be like, okay, Elizabeth Warren is basically the same as Bernie Sanders. We love her. And they can hopefully like bridge the gap and be like, let's bring them them over. But if we start out with endorsing Elizabeth Warren, it's going to be the same fucking vitriol as Hillary Bernie. So they made a smart choice about racist white guys But if you can get racist white guys on your side because you endorse their guy, then you can bring them with you later.
0: I can see them being that tactical. Yeah. Which is what we need. Yeah. Um, But I just don't understand why just not. Why? How about don't endorse anybody and just wait till there's a nominee? It's
1: strategic. Okay. It's to get these people to latch on to somebody who's in the media, who a lot of people are attacking, who... You know, like it, they're big news every time they do anything. They're big news. If we can get the racist white guys on our side, we can hopefully bring them over mm-hmm. when the general happens, right? Okay. I think it's smart. I think that's the idea. I don't think it's that they think Bernie's better than Elizabeth Warren. I think it's a strategic move about his racist white guy supporters. It could be. That's my that's my take. Okay. Okay. Moving on.
0: Uh, pivoting real quick, I want to talk about. Uh, so we talked about how Bill Barr was flying all over the world to try to quote, gather evidence for the conspiracy theory that the, (sighs) the whole start of the Russia investigation was a, a, a conspiracy between Obama and Hillary and, uh, Ukraine and it was all out to get Trump and we need to, you know, we need to nip that in the bud, the real, you know, the the real collusion was with the Democrats and that's what we need to go after. And and Barr hired this uh, former prosecutor guy named Durham. And now apparently it has changed to what they, they are claiming to be a criminal investigation. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. That doesn't mean anybody's going to be charged with anything. It could very well be just placating Trump and Trump needed something in the news cycle because he's had such a horrible week. And that is certainly what you know the people like... Um, my friends, K-Gro and Greg, that's kind of what they're saying. Like, oh, this is all just smoke and mirrors. They're not really going to, like, arrest Peter Stroke and arrest Comey and, like, you know, whatever their fever dream fantasies are. Um, mm, I'm, I, I don't wouldn't know dismiss about that. that. No. Yeah.
1: yeah. I don't know that that's true. I think...
0: I think Bill Barr is potentially a very scary character. Yeah. And has been for a while. And, yeah. And let's not forget, it was... Uh... Just a few weeks ago, he was he was at Notre Dame Law School talking basically the, mm-hmm. talking about instituting The Handmaid's Tale. Yep. Like,
1: and we have to remember too that we're not at a time when the president feels safe. Yeah. The president feels under attack. He's cornered. He's backed into a corner, and he's got a guy who's willing to try to get him out of that corner. And what better way to do that than? Make some big splashy arrest of people that are the president's opponents. That
0: that's when when you go as far as to actually arrest somebody, and then like have to go before a judge and explain yourself, like which that judge? gives that gives up the ballgame.
1: Which judge, right? I mean, we're in a we're in a banana now, republic right now. Like, I don't know that I believe that Bill Barr. Doesn't want to actually do those things, arrest these people and charge them with crimes, and go through a thing like no, like a real fascist takeover. Yeah, yes. that's my point. Yes,
0: um, it, it could very well be that they're just like leaking and announcing this information to placate the boss. in yeah. reality, Barr knows he can't actually arrest anybody because Trump doesn't like them, right? And and you know he can't lead the the fascist rebellion. But I, I, I don't not? know that we can dismiss that possibility out of hand.
1: Why not? Why can't he? He's the head of the Department of Justice of the United States of America. So, ostensibly, he can arrest and charge anybody he wants. Yeah. And I don't know that he's just going to not do it because, what, ethics? Is that what we're banking on, ethics and and norms?
0: No, it would be that it it would be just such a blatant, you know, I mean, like, that would basically end his career entirely and make him a a historical joke. Right, but when a judge just laughs it out of court and then Trump gets impeached. like And these are the things Barr is weighing, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, let's not discount the possibility but they, that-
1: what they're doing is undermining this impeachment in this way that is very much a fascist takeover, right? They're mm-hmm. already, they're not him necessarily, but the Republicans are already undermining the impeachment as this unlawful thing. And so if he can frame the impeachment as this unlawful, unconstitutional act bipartisan politics that it de- defies the Constitution because of due process, none of which is true.
0: Well, yesterday, a judge just basically threw that argument out because that was the argument in trying to keep the redacted portions of the Mueller report uh, secret. And a judge just basically said, no, that argument is bullshit and you have to declassify this material. Now, there's going to be fights and it's probably going to go to the Supreme Court. We'll probably lose that. But but this is
1: my point, is, is that if we can undermine this impeachment inquiry and, and make it this thing that is unconstitutional and without due process the courts can do whatever the courts are going to do but if they're effective in the public discourse around right now, what not. this impeachment is they're not and then be like also here's this other inquiry that we have and start arresting people then mm-hmm. that really splits this this thing of like what is happening and it creates this chaos which is exactly how you get a fascist regime.
0: But if that's the plan, it's not working. Uh, because, you know, in just a short time, a majority of Americans support impeachment, yeah. and it, the numbers are going in the wrong direction. So that, w- that would be really scary. If, let's say, uh, Republicans had all three chambers, let's say yeah. they, they still had the House, and let's say the public was just not, was just fine going along with everything, and Trump was really popular, then, then things would be incredibly scary. They're already scary.
1: They're pretty scary. They're
0: pretty scary, but we would be on a knife's edge if, like, if if public sentiment was
1: right. We're walking on the handle of the knife right now. Yes, but the edge is pretty close. So.
0: Yeah, the edge is close, and I absolutely, when we hear that Barr says this is a this is a criminal probe, you know, into these people who, who started the investigation against Trump, like we absolutely cannot let our guard down and say, oh, it's just. Um, Politics. It's just trying to, um, you know, whatever they want to say to make themselves feel better or make us feel better. Like,
1: well, this is my problem with boomers, right? Is this idea that
0: the system will the, just hold? The, yeah, it, always has? it will
1: hold because it always has, and the world is what it is, and this is just a, an aberration. This is just a blip, mm-hmm. and it will it will reset itself. It will become okay again. And like, I know you all want to believe that. But I don't think that you live in the same world that I live in. Yeah, And the world that I grew up in allows for this to be exactly where we end up. And it doesn't end with this being a blip or an aberration mm-hmm. if we continue to think about it as though it is.
0: Yeah, especially because the, the people who support Trump the hardest and have waited so long to have this degree of power at their backs, they're just not going to shrug and go, oh, well, we let it go. The
1: Constitution.
0: Well, let's give it another four or eight years, and we'll come back and try to make it work No, they know this is it. Yeah.
1: This is the last one, right? Mm -hmm. If they lose this one, then that's it for a generation. Yeah. Because they picked fucking Trump. Yeah. And all the things that they've been doing, they understand that people don't like. So it's either... If they lose this, they lose their chance at all the things that they wanted. And I just don't think they're going to be like, well, I guess we lost. No. Like, we had a civil war because they lost. Yeah. And so... And again, let
0: me remind you, those are the people that are most heavily armed. Yeah. And crazy and believe in end times and the rapture. And so, yeah, Yeah. it's scary. Yeah. Now, like I said, a lot of them are actually chicken hawks and talk a game on the internet. But you know what? There's enough of them that would actually grab their guns.
1: I mean, I was... I don't know if you saw this video, but it was this video from like 1965. And it was um, this black girl who was uh, going to a school that was being desegregated. Mm-hmm. And there was a bunch of like 10, 11, 12, 13 year olds calling her the N word, trying to spit on her. There's video of this, right? From some news organization. And it's horrifying, right? Yeah. And you're like, what was this, like 1920? And you're like, no. The people, the kids in the video that were calling her the N-word and spitting on her and telling her she should go back to Africa and all of that,
2: mm-hmm.
1: they're our parents. They're yeah. literally our parents' age. Yeah. And the people that are in power, like not just the cops, but like the sheriffs, the cops' bosses, the prosecutors, no, the DAs, right? Mm-hmm. The attorney generals are those kids. They are that age. They are our parents, or who are running this country. So when we talk about like the white men that are in charge right now and how they were raised and what like their life experience was, they were kids spitting on a black girl when they were thirteen and calling her the N word, mm-hmm. and they grew up to be what great civil rights leaders, <laughs> right? Or not? Right? Or are they the people now that are Bill Barr, right, mm-hmm. and Trump, mm-hmm. and the rest of the Republican congressmen. Yeah. Do you think they've really grown that they don't still want to kind of call Maxine Waters the N-word and spit on her? Of course, of
0: course not. Right? They, I mean, they've realized now they, they can't say that, the quiet part out loud. Right. Well, sometimes they do, but for the most part, they don't.
1: Right. But like, the, this is that generation. It's not like it's people that grew up with those as their parents. That's us. Yeah. Right? These are those people. So I don't have great hope for Republican members of government or their voters to or their just, supporters. To just suddenly
0: do the right thing. To
1: just be like, I know I was like that when I was a kid, but I've grown and I'm still a Republican. Mm. Right? I don't know. I'm just, I, I don't feel as um, hopeful as Greg and Kegro. I guess.
0: Well, I don't think their hope stems from, I mean, Greg does some of this, like ultimately Republicans will turn on Trump. Like I'm not when? convinced.
1: When? What has to happen, Greg?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, in the Senate, if we're going to convict in the Senate, you only need a handful, I guess. But, um, you know, I almost think politically it, it makes more sense not. not it, it, it could actually work out better if he does not get removed from office, because like I've said a million times, then you have all these Republicans, these senators that then have to answer for why they let when we've um,
1: put them presented to the all this evidence right.
0: that beyond a reasonable doubt
1: he's uh, committed high crimes and misdemeanors and
0: you then have to go up and say well that's
1: fine with us right and then we go through an election and you go so yeah right
0: and we're trying to get the senate back and people like Cory Gardner, are, I mean, Cory Gardner's dead meat anyway, but Yeah. people like Gardner and Collins mm-hmm. and you know some of these other uh, susceptible senators have to then explain their vote.
1: I think every senator does. Like well, every some... senator does,
0: but like some, are. let's be realistic, some are more in danger than others.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Mm-hmm. I think some are more in danger than they think. Right. Based on that vote. So I just want to see it. Like I have all these people who are like, well, who cares? They're never going to impeach him. And I'm like, I don't care. Mm -hmm. I want them to go on the record and say, all of this is fine with me. Right. And then answer to us. Mm -hmm. That's what I want. Yeah. If they, I would like them to impeach him, but if they don't, I'd like them to go on record and say, this is fine.
0: That's exactly what they'll have to do. Yeah. Either one. Like there's no getting around that.
1: Right. Which is why we have to have this impeachment inquiry. Period.
0: Mm -hmm. And, and like, again, I will say it keeps coming up to where, Uh, People keep saying, well, he'll never get convicted in the Senate. It's like, yeah, that's kind of the point.
1: Well, that's what I just said, right, right? is that you either have to say this is fine with me or impeach him. And if you say this is fine with me, then you have to answer to us. But
0: it's like but then we go to this generational thing. I see a lot of these old doddering uh, senators and congresspeople, Democrats, being like, you know, well, the problem is he'll never get convicted in the Senate. I'm like, can you open your mind just a little bit? And see the che- more the chessboard right. than like you're with your horse blinders on because Republicans always can do that, right? For the most part,
1: right? That's what it was just saying was yeah. like the point is not that he's going to be removed from office. The point is that yeah, he's not. I'm going to put a bunch <laughs> of senators to the question, yeah. And you have to say this is fine with me, and he's fine, and all of this evidence is fine, and then answer to us, or you
0: and know what? And, and ultimately. They are never going to remove him from office because removing him from office would be telling that hardcore, evangelical, unmovable base that we have sold you out. We have forsaken your God. And then a bunch of them will throw up their hands and sit out. I mean, even if it's only like 20 percent of them, like that's deadly. They're done.
1: Or they'll just start primarying each other. We'll have a new tea party, but it'll just be like. I'm is, a part of the KKK twenty twenty? I mean I don't know.
0: But that the point is politically they can't sell Politically
1: they're fucked and they know it, but they already got the Supreme Court, which is all they wanted.
0: True. Well
1: That's yeah. what not the Republicans, the evangelicals.
0: Uh they would they would react viscerally emotionally if the party hung Trump out to dry. I truly believe that.
1: I believe that, but I believe what they wanted was the Supreme Court and they got it.
0: That was well, sure. That was they didn't
1: one. love Trump. They don't love Trump, the evangelicals. No, they, they, don't do. give a sh- they don't give a shit about Trump. They give a shit that he is a person who has no values and no morals and no ethics and doesn't give a shit, except that they love him so they can tell him what to do and he'll do it. I, they I, don't think he's a good person. They don't <laughs> care if he's a good person. No, they, they, don't, are, they, don't, they, they don't care. They don't give a shit about who he is. They care that they can say, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. And he's like, you love me? Okay, you love me. Okay, you—they don't think that he's pro-life. They don't think that he's pro—that he's anti-gay. They don't believe. They don't care. None
0: of that matters. He's a symbol to them. I—I I, I think you are actually underestimating how much they actually revere Trump as this prophet-like figure.
1: I don't think that's true. I think
0: that is absolutely true.
1: I think they think of and him think as a tool, to oh, a tool to get what they want. Right? I mean, they, but <laughs> he is literally a tool, a, a method to get what they've it's been trying to do since that. the 80s.
0: It's more than that. It is more than that. They then assume. then they
1: are bullshit. Then everything that they purport to believe is bullshit, which I don't believe is true. I have met evangelicals. I have met and known many of them. And I believe truly. But evangelicals can
0: twist this into whatever they want. They, like Trump being a philandering, creepy, rapist it like it, it can, they can twist it into saying, God, oh, it says in the Bible, God sends imperfect messengers and God works in mysterious ways. Like they can fit whatever they want into their fucking narrative and make it work. Like that's how they fit um, segregation and racism, the evangelicals did back in the day. Like they can, they can squeeze it into whatever box they want. And I'm telling you, I am telling you, there is a personal attachment to Trump. And I am telling you right now, they would feel forsaken if they set Trump adrift. I am I am 100 I am 99.9% sure of it. Because you would think like, well, oh, hey, look who we have in the bullpen. Pence. Pence. That's perfect. Right.
1: Throw him overboard and let's right. get Pence Let's get in Pence and he's literally our guy.
0: But they're not
1: doing that, are they? I don't get it. I don't get it.
0: I'm telling you. I they're crazy Look, people, Richard. Look, I know
1: they are in Colorado Springs for fuck's sake. We might get arrested at any moment for having this conversation. I feel very uncomfortable. Focus on the families down the street. Um, no, I, I, you're right. I mean, you're right. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't understand why him and why not Pence. Why him? What is it because of racism? Because I feel like Pence could be plenty racist if you told him to.
0: I'm sure he is, <laughs> ultimately, right when, when we start digging into him, yeah.
1: Once he starts having to say things out loud, I'm sure he's racist. I mean, mostly he hates women and gays, but, like, I'm sure he's racist, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know. Well, so why Trump? Well,
0: because Trump talks the good game.
1: What game? But Pence doesn't.
0: Yeah. What is it
1: that he does that makes them so...
0: Because Because Pence puts on that Sunday morning preacher smile, and he says... I love everybody. I love you. I don't hate he doesn't,
1: gay doesn't, people. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. No, I he just, does no, not.
0: What well, He implies it. I don't hate. I just think
1: that... Hate the sin, not uh, the sinner? Yes.
0: Gotcha. Yes. You've heard it. No, I live it. Where Trump just comes out and says, we are being prosecuted. Us Christians, and they're like, you ain't a Christian, but okay, are under attack, and I am going to protect you. And, oh, well, finally... Somebody is bluntly and unabashedly taking up the reins for us and telling us that we are the oppressed ones. Because remember, white Christians right. love to feel are like the they most
1: persecuted people. They are on the Earth. most persecuted
0: people, right? Because some because the barista said "Happy Holidays" to them once. Like,
1: <laughs> baby, I hate them so much. I can't.
0: And 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 yeah, there's a difference. Like. Pence gets they're up. tired
1: of pence. I'm tired of pence frankly but they're not no they're not tired of
0: pence but but Trump speaks in this way that is just so like and and then they they go to those Bible verses that like sometimes the sword is mightier than the than the whatever like so
1: they feel about Trump the way I feel about Asada Shakur Kinda Yeah
0: it makes more sense that you appreciate versus it.
1: Martin Luther King jr. Yeah like I like her fucking like militancy. For, like, fucking liberation. Yeah. Right? She doesn't fucking... It's
0: not not a perfect analogy, but I get where you're going.
1: You know what I mean? Like, it's not palatable for most people, but fuck that. Militancy, liberation, struggle. Fucking bust my ass out of jail and I'll go to Cuba. I love her.
0: Well, we're out of time, but I think this was a good introduction. (laughs) No, seriously, I think this was a good intro into where... We're gonna have the podcast go from now on. We're gonna dive a little more deeply into ideas. Yeah.
1: Then how we feel ticking off yeah. news items. I don't wanna tick I don't wanna tick a box. Yeah. Go watch Rachel Maddow. Go look at the Washington Post. I wanna talk about how what we think. Because I feel like you're not coming here for a tick in a box. No. So
0: So I think we did that this episode. I think that was a good transitional episode. If you agree or you disagree, let us know on Twitter.
1: Or at irreverent testimony at gmail.com
0: Reverend testimony at gmail.com at Reverend duo on twitter
1: at mad madam mim is mine if you want to directly uh talk to me um if you have hateful awful violent things to say i will block you if you have those things to say you can send them to the gmail and travis will check that <laughs> and then not send them to me and so. i'll
0: sign you up for all the gay porn sites
1: yeah so that'll be existence. fun but um no i really would like to hear your guys feedback um about the podcast and additionally i'd like to hear if you've had conversations with your family or um friends or people that are sort of the joshes like how they're feeling because i think that's an interesting conversation that i'd like to have beyond just my friend group and family group but like if you're having conversations where are people that aren't like us yeah yeah
2: all
0: right that's gonna do it for us uh i am i can't play the music now we haven't released the album uh, oh. When the album is released, you'll hear some new. And check out Married a Dead Man. Online. Yeah. It's my band. We have a new album coming out that uh, the theme of which is women not taking any more shit and rising up.
1: And persecuted women throughout history. Yes. And why are we all so witchy, ladies?
0: Yes. We do it we have with a, good a lot reason. of loud guitars and folklore and history and spooky things. Yeah. So check it out if you're into that kind of thing. I know many of you listeners are.
2: Yes. All right. See you next week.
0: Stay active. Stay tuned. Stay involved. Adios.